You're listening to the Salt Creative Podcast, where our mission is to create and prepare disciples ready to influence the world. Hello and welcome back to the Salt Creative Podcast. My name is Jessica and I'm very excited to be with you all today. It's actually my first time as one of the hosts, so it's a a whale of a time. It's going to be great. And I'm joined here today by the fabulous Mitch. So it's going to be a lot of fun. How's it going, Mitch? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Glad to be here. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Doing all right on a, what day is it today? On a Tuesday afternoon? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it's yeah. getting that time of semester. Yeah, May's, May's hitting hard. It really... It's not even May yet when we're recording this. But we're really getting there. So now today we're going to be discussing a topic that I think is near and dear to both Mitch and my hearts. It's this idea of reaching people who are not Christian, people who don't have much experience in Christianity, maybe have never heard of Christianity, or are completely against Christianity. And the person that we're interviewing today is someone that I would like to think I know relatively well. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we we shall see after this (laughs) podcast. But it is someone who is currently the Director of Church Planting and Church Health for the South Pacific Division. He is also the leader of Mission to the Cities for the South Pacific Division, and he is also the head of certain study research groups that aim to reach the major religions besides Christianity. But I would say that I think his greatest achievement (coughs) really is having just a fabulous, a fabulous daughter. And so with that, that? well, we shall soon find out. Do I know her? You you do. (laughs) You do indeed. (laughs) You may have guessed it. The person we're interviewing today is my wonderful father, Dr. Wayne Krauss. Hello, Dr. Wayne Krauss. How you doing? I think that's probably the first time you've ever called me, <laughs> Dr. To, Wade Krauss. I was about to say, so, this is how she refers to him at home I, too. It's doctor or sir. Yeah. I, this is new for me too because you've never interviewed me before, have you? No, I haven't, no. So you're not going to slice and dice me, are you? Well, we'll see how the interview You are my favourite daughter. Thank oh, you so boy. much. Thank you. We, we would like to tell our audiences I am his also only daughter, so I'm also his least favourite, but we'll... we'll, we'll Self-burn. That is a rare. Yeah. Yeah, goodness. Um, but anyway, just to start off with, Dad, I've just given a list of what your job title is, which is a bit of a mouthful, I would say. All, all nine, the ones you gave? All of yep. the nine things. But I was wondering, can you give a brief outline? What is what is your role? What does it involve? Well, my background is um, most of my life as a pastor, I've been passionate about reaching people who are far from God, have no interest in God and seeing the lights go on and um, making seeing them become lifelong disciples. And so I've been involved with that in planting churches. You've grown up in a church mm-hmm. plant, Jessica. Uh, but now the South Pacific Division of the Seventh Adventist Church has asked me to kind of help do that right across our division, uh, how to reach secular postmodern people who may not even have... Christianity on their radar when mm. they make moral decisions. So I, I, I love it. Mm. Um, and my boss, Glenn Townend, Pastor Glenn Townend, asked me to do this role. I said to him after a while I would accept it, but I'd only go down to the office two or three times a week because I believe in keeping my feet on the ground where people are and my office while I was a pastor on the Central Coast has always been 
in Gloria Jeans in Tugra, and that's where I would meet people, the community, pastoral visitations, Bible studies, what have you. So although I now work at the denominational headquarters, I spend a good part of my time still in the community. And you're, you're talking here about unchurched people. Have, has reaching unchurched people always been something you're passionate about? And I noticed as well, you didn't call them unchurched people. How, how do you prefer to refer to them? Yeah, I don't, I don't like the word unchurched people so much um, because there are so many different words we can use. Um, really, Australia is getting very close to post-Christian. Um, so I'd probably use the word secular, mm. um, that the people's worldview is not too influenced by, by Christianity. It's often influenced by other things, their own environment, their own decisions they want to make, that sort of stuff. Um, I grew up in a home and that mum and dad loved each other, but a good Adventist home. So I went through all Adventist schools, lived on Adventist college campuses. And so when I came to Avondale, to do theology, I could probably count on one hand the non-Adventists, let alone non-Christians I knew. Mm. So I was going to go and be a pastor and try and reach people far from God, and I didn't even know how to make conversations with them. Mm. I did a year as volunteer in America. Things changed there. Um, I got accused of doing some stuff there. Uh, and the only people who believed that I could not have done this were actually non-Adventists. Mm. And when the kind of truth came out and everything like that, but from then I said, okay, I'm going to spend at least half of my time with people who don't know uh, Jesus Christ. And that's what, cha- <coughs> excuse me, that's what changed for me. Sorry about that. Uh, that was an emotion. That was actually a <laughs> 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 But yeah, so that's where it comes, that whole passion of... I find it much more interesting in seeing someone who doesn't know about Christ, accept Christ and become lifelong disciples, than kind of changing somebody who's already Christian into learning more truths. While that's important, I'd like to see them in the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, right. I'm just wondering about, um, you, you mentioned a little bit that it was your passion to, to reach people who weren't um, attached to our faith. Um, do you find that we compartmentalize or like as a as a church family we compartmentalize whose job it is to actually go out and do ministry Mm. i think to a certain extent we do i think that's changing i think more and more church members and i think more and more young people are catching on that the command by jesus to go and make disciples and that he was always going to be with us and all powers his and he wants us to go and make disciples was a command, not a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was for the first disciples and it's for all disciples. Um, Ellen White actually says that there were over 400 people on the mount when Jesus gave um, the gospel commission. So, yes, I believe the call to make friends and make disciples is a call for everybody who says they're a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, in, in the Bible, it talks about Paul being someone who liked reaching Gentiles and Peter liked reaching Jews. Mm-hmm. Okay, So we may have a different calling on who we may be reaching, but the, the reality is we are all, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, we are all cla- um, called to be disciples and make disciples. 
Mm-hmm. Well, one of Jesus' first steps was to go to Samaria. Yes. So mm-hmm. right away, you know, the guy that we model our entire faith on is, is telling us to go and find the people that are marginalized. First person he ever told that he was the son of God was to a Samaritan, not to a Jew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think he's starting to set the priorities of what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of a 21st century context, when we consider Jesus' example, I've noticed because I go to a secular university that there seems to be a bit of a gap between us as Christians and how we feel we should share our faith and the people I encounter who know very little about Jesus and really have no experience with Christians. What do you think is the reality for reaching secular people in a 21st century context? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I'm glad you came up with it. Thanks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The the challenge is um, we have a concept in our minds that we knock on doors and if someone gives a hint, we, we give them the lot. We tell them our give them our testimony and how to become a Christian. And instead of just giving them a sandwich, give them a whole loaf. And they go, well, I'll never ask that question again or something like that. I think we are dealing with the reality of very few people are interested in studying the Bible. Asking someone if they want to do Bible studies is as relevant as saying, would you like to study the Quran? (laughs) Uh, That's the reality of most people are. But we're still trained in that. Now, my area that I'm looking at at the moment is Mission of the Cities. You can't door knock in the cities. It's illegal. It's not because it's they're anti-Christian. It's because it's, you know, a public nuisance. You're not allowed to do that sort of stuff. I, I really believe we've got to rediscover the ability of building relationships with people. And the hardest part of that for many of us as Seventh-day Adventists is learning how to listen to actually make friends and listen before we give the other stuff. Um, um, I have a young guy who's a good friend of mine. It has taken me three years of meeting with him regularly before I could really talk about things of God. Um, And, you know, if I can tell the story, it's, Mm. you know, this guy was using um, heroin, sorry, he was selling heroin at the age of 11 in Sydney. Okay, he was using heroin at the age of 13 and what methadone from 16 and is still on methadone and takes enough methadone every day that would kill you and me. His brother was killed in his sleep because they thought it was Jim. Uh, his sister committed suicide. He got into a relationship with a lady. They had four kids. One died. Three of them were taken away from them. Uh, raised by a grandparent, just totally dysfunctional. I, on the other hand, was raised in a good Seventh-day Adventist home. I'm vegetarian because I'm still part of the remnant and, and <laughs> that whole thing. I, and so I'm listening. I'm making friends. He wasn't a target and he wasn't a project. He was a friend. And over time, I would listen to him. I'm going, how, how does my story relate to his story? And it's only over that time that eventually I said to him, I said, Jim, you know, if you could have anything, what would you like to be? And he said, I'd like to be a good father. And finally, I had some area where we related, where my story related to him. So the whole listening, Mm. seeing how my story related to his story, 
Uh, and I say, Jim, I think I can help you here. I said, because I had a great dad. And my dad got a lot of his stuff from God. And that's where I'm learning how to be a, a parent for my juvenile daughter, uh, Jessica. No, not, <laughs> I didn't that Okay, and so it was from that that we were able to... The conversation became more spiritual as a result of that. But that was three years. Mm. And we need to realise this sort of stuff takes time. And um, that's very important. I still remember when Jim asked me to baptise him. So um, that's been a real plus for me. But mm-hmm. I think, Jessica, that's part of the challenge. We feel we must argue someone into Christianity and we must have all the answers. Mm, like a debate. Kind yeah. Of. Just try and wrestle people. You will believe. I used to have debates all the time. I can't recall one person becoming a Seventh Adventist Christian through a debate, even the ones I won. Mm-hmm. Right? It was through that relationship and building that trust and asking the right questions. Mm. There's actually a book out called Jesus is the Question, uh, and it talks about the 360-something questions Jesus asked and the three to ten, there's some argument about questions Jesus answered. So maybe we can learn from that in, in our getting to know people, we ask questions. Mm. It's, a, right. it's a concept we don't hear about a lot, yeah. I think, in a, in no, a Christian yeah, capacity. Like most of what I've, I've seen is just kind of, here's what you need to know when somebody challenges your faith. Here's the facts that you need to know. Here's the... The, you know, the memory gems that you can throw up in their face to scare them off. And mm. um, it's, it seems to be, from, from, uh, from my experience, more that we're trying to, like you said, like we're trying to fight them into it. Mm. Um, but that's... Now, yeah, if they, someone's right. coming to you to challenge, you, sometimes you need to realise all they want to do is have a fight. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I used to love that. But it's just not worth it. Um, and I, I would much rather talk to somebody and have them walk away going, I have to talk to Wayne more about this, rather than, good grief, I'm not going to raise that again. Mm-hmm. Mm. What are some tactics that we can use um, with non-Christian people? Um, and to, to further this, this line, should we even be having non-Christian friends? Oh, okay. Um, we'll hit hard and we'll hit fast. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll back up. I, I wouldn't use the phrase tactics. Mm, oh, um, yeah, my okay. mistake. No, your, their aim is Christ loves everyone on this planet. You haven't looked in the eyes of anybody that Christ wouldn't die for. And so I do believe, yeah, should we have non-Christian, non-Adventist friends? Definitely. You know, be in the world but not of it is a great thing. But when it's talking about that, it's talking about don't get sucked into the worldview of the world. It's not saying don't be involved with people who are in the worldview. How, how are we to fulfil God's command if we're not making friends with people who are far from God? Mm. And to be honest, there are a lot of Adventist young people and probably even here on this campus who don't have many non-Adventist friends. I didn't. And when that happens, I think we need to go to find some Adventist friend who does have them and steal their friends. Right? Say, look, I need to learn. I want to make re- build relationships with people who don't know Jesus. You've got some friends. Can, I, can we get together so I can get to meet them in a social session setting? And the, the thing is, you're wanting to grow through your interaction with them. And over time, they 
hopefully will grow through interaction with you. But if you go in, I'm going in, the Lone Ranger, and I'm going to save you, yeah, that's the project idea. But the idea is I actually want to build a relationship so I can grow, and out of that I hope they can grow. Now, if they never accept Christ, we should still be friends with them. Otherwise, it's manipulation, it's the bait-and-switch stuff. Mm-hmm. But the idea that, you know... Missionary kids are always great in the mission field, right? They're on the cutting edge. They're seeing forces of good and evil happening all the time. When they come back, sometimes they're in an aquarium, and that's when they go crazy. I think our young people need to be challenged to actually go out and build these relationships. Don't just sit in the little aquarium. Um, That's dangerous, I think. When you're talking about this idea of going out, making relationships, listening with people... While we're building these relationships, are there things that we need to consider? Should we be giving them tracks? Should we be chatting with them about the Bible straight up? What's What do you think is the best process in terms of it's, reaching it's, people and interacting with people? It's how you react with anyone you want to be a friend with. Okay, so the tract and everything like that, I would never hand out a tract unless somebody said, I'm interested in this topic, do you have anything about on it? I wouldn't go, hey, you know, you're in this bad lifestyle, here's a, here's a tract on homosexuality, right? I, that's, that's very close to spiritual abuse, right? And I think there are some of our churches that God doesn't bring people to because that sort of stuff happens within them. Um, so genuine friendships, being part of organisations, cricket clubs, sporting clubs, other things to make friends with unchurched people, mingle with them socially. Mm. The number one priority is to have a healthy relationship with them. And over time, as you ask questions, you hear about their stuff, then you can put input into their lives about Christ, mm. I believe. Mm. Well, that's what I do anyway. <laughs> No, it sounds, it honestly sounds great. And kind of going into that, if we've built relationships with with these people, genuine relationships, and we get to the stage where we may want to invite them to church mm-hmm. or something like that, what in your opinion are some things in church yeah. that we may do as Adventists that we could do better mm-hmm. or we we do that potentially make it hard for people who are secular. Mm. Yeah, it's it's one of the reasons, uh, Jessica, and you know this, you grew up in this, um, why I like church planting so much. Mm. Um, it's easier to give birth than raise the dead, okay? So it's easier to start something how we want to do it. We want to have a church where our, un- our, our secular friends who know nothing about God will feel comfortable, okay? Mm. The way you can test this, what type of church do you have, is pretend when you walk into any church on a Sabbath morning and go, if you've never seen a Bible before, you don't know about Jesus Christ, will you understand what's going on? Okay? Now, we can go through the cliches we use. I I have to say, I hate it when I hear, happy Sabbath. (laughs) That is a uniquely in-house Adventist language. So if you have a person who has never been to church before and they hear the phrase, happy Sabbath, they immediately know there's an in-group and an out-group 
and I am on the outgroup. Uh, the other one I really hate is God is good all the time, all the time God is good. Again, here's a nice little phrase going through the congregation and the secular person sitting there going, again, I'm on Don't the know what to say. Don't know what yeah. to say. Um, okay, uh, let's turn in your Bibles too. Well, they don't have a Bible and they don't know where to turn. So to me, if you're a church that is serious about reaching people who know nothing about it, is to call out page numbers, to have Bibles that are there. I prefer that than on the screen because when they're on, words are on the screen, you're basically teaching people they don't need to bring a Bible or an electronic device. And I think they need to get into the Word. So they're, they're kind of some, they're, they're the simple, superficial things, mm-hmm. but I do believe that the secular person, the atheist or whatever, should be acknowledged. And validated. If you're here today for the very first time, this is a church who really believes Jesus Christ makes a difference in our lives. We're on a journey. We're not perfect, but we invite you along with us to see what's if he might make a difference in your life too. If you're sitting here today and you've had Christians criticise you for your beliefs, uh, I've got a passage of scripture I'd like to use today in your, my sermon that you'll be able to use against them. And I preach that sermon, and I preach from Colossians chapter 3, using on how we should treat other people. I still remember the whole back row in the church I was preaching sat up as these non-Christians were waiting for the text that they could use against Christians that had been beating them down. <laughs> but for you as, as a church member to walk in and go, okay, if I was here for the first time, would I understand what's going on? Are there simple things that could happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, to, is, lo- to love people who they are. Yeah. Is this where, like, the the simple logistical things, like Bible translations and, and um, just meta-language meta and the way that you speak to the yeah. audience comes in? Yeah. Um, you can talk about any topic, and some people talk about you're going to water down the truth and all that sort of stuff. No, you don't. People need to be hit hard with intellectual stuff. But then it needs to be explained. Don't go, you all know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Well, they don't. But if you said, okay, today you're going to need your Bibles because we're going to be talking about a guy who about 600 years before Jesus Christ was taken into captivity and he was a prophet and he, he went up high in Babylonian um, structure of their government. Da, da. So, so we're going to be turning to... Daniel chapter 2, page so-and-so and so-and-so. So to me, there should be the same Bible translation in all the pews or you have the young people hand them out, put your hand up because you'll always have the good admins who forgot their Bibles mm-hmm. and put get their hands up. Um, I found that works very well, Mitch. All right. Yeah. Um, so talk, talking about um, making the church... Um, Understandable, like putting it in a, in a way that um, that non-Christian people can understand and, and appreciate. How do we make um, and using key words here from a book that you loaned me? <laughs> how do we make the church uh, irresistible to people that are not churchgoers? It would. It's interesting when you ask a pastor what's the outcome they would like mm-hmm. at the end of their sermon. Okay, and I, I do want the people when they leave after I've preached to know something new to be able to do something new and know how to do it. But I also think the idea of we want to have created such an, uh, an environment that they go, I want to come back next week. 
right? So if they go, I want to come back next week, then it slowly builds up. But if they finish at the end of a sermon and go, yeah, that was okay, um, yeah. Yeah. So irresistible. Um, your children's ministries, people check out your children's ministries and the toilets are the two of the biggest things that people check out if they're visiting for the very first time. Not connected. Not connected. These two aren't this very we, different We should areas. be best practice when it comes to children's ministries. Um, Ad safe is there on how we should be safe with children. Um, they, they have the legal stuff. We should be way above that. Mm-hmm. So parents go, yeah, this is a place my kids will be safe and have a great time. Uh, yeah. There's a whole stack of stuff there, Mitch, in the whole era. There's, there's a lot. We can link the book. It's called Deep and Wide by Andy Stanley. It's we'll very good. link that in the, in the show notes uh, at the bottom. Um, I've got another book for you too that yeah? would probably be good. It's, it's called Bless. Bless. By and who? if someone is interested in how do I share my faith with other people, how do I listen, Bless is before you do anything, pray. Number two, L is listen, okay? Then eat with, okay? Um, and then the two S's are share my story and share God's story. But it has in that book a lot of good questions that you can use to help build relationships with people and even how to move some questions towards uh, some things towards spiritual stuff if you're interested. So mm. that book, Deep and Wide, is, is, is very good. But check out Bless as well. Deep and Wide by Andy Stanley. And Bless, who's uh, Bless's uh, author? Dave Ferguson. Dave Ferguson. Dave Ferguson. All right, we'll link both of those in the show notes. In if you're interested, notes. go take a look. Now, I wanted to kind of come back to something that you had you'd been saying earlier, you and we we discussed this a little bit before the podcast, you've received a little bit of criticism in your job capacity. Um, really? <laughs> as, as do your, share. Yes. How do you respond to that criticism, the criticism that you're watering down the gospel, that you're, um, that you're trying to change the truth, that what you're doing isn't right how do you respond to that and how can you be sure that the work you're doing is something that God has called you to Um, Jessica if a person is genuinely asking yeah I've had distant relatives um, ask me if I was going to leave the church uh, that sort of stuff but I always have always surrounded myself with loyal Seventh-day Adventists um, and people who hold me accountable and that sort of stuff. I actually have a lot of um, respect for Mitch's family. Um, and they're, you know, Dr. Alan Lindsay and um, uh, you know, a number of others in that family have had a huge impact in my life. I, I like surrounding myself by people who are solid Adventists and I actually screen leadership pe- teams in my church where I planted that I am only surrounded by people who are loyal to the church and love Jesus Christ. Um, so if someone is saying, okay, Wayne, can I ask you, are you watering down the truth? I go, no. You, you, can, <laughs> look, you can have intelligent conversations with people without watering things down, hmm. right? The idea that you have to water something down is, is ridiculous. I think people now want more and more. Give it to me. You know, let me know what you actually believe. And So no, definitely don't water down. Have I had criticism? Yeah, you know that. Um, but it's interesting how the denominational leadership 
has asked me to go to the South Pacific Division to say, the way you've been advocating things, Wayne, we'd like that across our whole division, says something about the support. I've had a division president contact me and say, I want to come to your church plant. There's been criticisms of that church plant. I don't want you to make any announcement that I'm there. I'm going to come in, sit down and be part of it and then I'll go. But I want to be able to say, after watching it, when anyone sends a criticism, I've been there, I know what happens, and we fully support what Wayne is doing. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, some church members may have said things like that, but if they just want to criticise, I'm not interested in entering a dialogue. If they're genuinely interested, I'll walk through it. But you do not have to water down the truth. By the way, Jesus is the truth. And if Jesus isn't the centre of everything you're doing, you're not preaching truth anyway. Hmm. Enough said. Enough said. <laughs> Nothing more needs to be said. No, I've, it's, it's been really great chatting with you today, Dad. Do you Can have... I ask you a question? Oh, goodness. Fire. Let's yes, go. Yes, let's go. Okay. You grew up in a church plant. You grew up in a church where kind of it says, we exist for those not here yet. And you kind of played spot the Adventists because you just didn't, because of the people that were there, mm. uh, you could have, you know, drug addicts and other people of so-called ill repute there. And you grew up in that. You saw the alcoholics um, there and how they were treated at church. How has that impacted you when you visit other Adventist churches? Oh, we've we've had this conversation quite a few times. I can fairly say in the most positive way possible, it has ruined me for other churches because I'm, as as you were saying, Dad, you're constantly aware now of how are the, what are these churches doing to make an environment that is accessible, that is interesting, that is irresistible to people who are who are not of the Christian faith. And a lot of the time, sadly, we fall short. I've, I've been in churches before where, as an Adventist, I struggled to know what was going on. And I've grown up in the church all my life. And I think it's ruined me, but it's also challenged me to be better because I can criticise the church and the way we run things all I want. But if I'm not part of the solution, then I might as well keep my mouth shut. So I think that it has, yeah, it has challenged me in the best way possible because it's made me want to take action, yeah, to be able to make a church that is accessible for the friends I make who are genuine friends. And that's the gospel truth. And that's the gospel truth. <laughs> Listeners, we'll call it there. Thanks very much for joining us today. Don't, uh, don't forget that uh, absolutely take every chance you can to, to uh, engage with people outside the church. Please uh, look, to, look to Jesus' example, make friends, um, and go to the people that don't know him very well and just be friends with them. Mm. Um, and have a good listen to them as well. That's it. Thanks very much, Wayne, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Salt Creative Podcast. As always, rate, review and subscribe. It all helps. And if you see us around, shout out. We'd love to connect with you. We'll be here again next week. We hope you'll find us again. Bye.